Redeemed Church. It's a pleasure to worship with you this morning and be here this morning. Boy, God lines up some interesting things sometimes. Just one thing in a row after other. He gets all the little ducks lined up in a row, right? From uh, Greg's message two weeks ago to Mark Lacasse's message last week to Chris Torres' word to the worship today all fall in parallel with where I want to take this message today, where I feel God wants to direct this message today. That's like a good God, right? Hey, we'll start four weeks back and we'll just start turning and shifting to deliver the heart of God to his people. He gets us ready to hear his word before he brings his word to us. I want to pause for just a second. I feel like God is doing so, something so intimate. How many people take notes on their phone? Good, perfect, that's great. Can you turn them off today? Just turn them off, all right? Uh, I know there's a few of you that just had a heart attack, right? But there's a thing called a paper and pen. There's probably some paper kicking around. You can come grab one of my notes, whatever you need. But I feel like God wants us to engage with him on an intimate level. And you know what happens to me when I take notes on my phone? I start taking notes on my phone, and then I send myself the note, and it rings in, and I go, oh, look, I have other email. And then I miss three, four minutes of a service. Or Facebook Marketplace rings in. That one's really fun. You ever buy something during the middle of Sunday morning service? I can't confirm or deny that at all. Uh, but I want to be intimate with our Father in Heaven today, as I believe He wants us to be intimate with Him. But maybe some of us are too afraid to be intimate. You ever get in a situation where intimacy requires vulnerability and you're too scared of that so you walk away from intimacy? I believe we as a church do that far too regularly. See, your Christian walk should never be about staying in one place. Your Christian walk should be about advancing towards the kingdom of God. It should be walking directly into the throne room of God and taking others with you. But I feel like oftentimes we get to a point, hey, God healed me of this, God healed me of this, God, whoa, don't touch me there. We don't want to have the intimacy required to continue our walk with Christ. And so a lot of times we spiral in the same place for days, weeks, years, decades. And we wonder why the presence of God gets stale to us. It gets worn out. It doesn't feel the same as when we were first saved. That's not the intent that God had for salvation. A good marriage doesn't just last a year and all the fun is gone, but it gets deeper and more intimate. I, it's been 15 years? I think. Uh, I think October will be 16. 15, 16? I don't know. I'm going to get in trouble later. Uh, it's been a while. I can't imagine living my life without my wife by my side on the journey that we've gone on. Right? Five kids, one on the way, like we're, we're excited to live life together. We've built a house, we're building an addition, we have a tree farm. Like There's things that we've done together that I would never want to rebuild my life with somebody else. I wouldn't want to do that. There's an intimacy. And every day is a new day and a new step and a new thing. And sometimes there's problems and sometimes it's rocky but it's intimacy. And that's what God wants with us. Never standing still, always moving forward. And that means what you're facing in life, you're facing with God. But sometimes that gets messy. 
I forget who was given the word. My eyes were closed. But talking about the rain coming down, we've had the torrential downpours, right, in the last couple of days. And I have a field behind my house. Some of you have been there, but a lot of you haven't. I have a field behind my house. It's downhill to that field. I have a well out there that I ran power to, okay? With all this torrential downpour, it has washed away the gravel down to the point where I can see the tape that says, hey, high voltage, danger, right? It's, it's there. That's a side note. You need to fill the hole in my yard, okay? Um, that's dad back there. He'll run the tractor, fix it all up. Okay, so, but all that rain took a bunch of mess and moved it to where I can see this high voltage wire. I believe that's what God wants to do in us this morning. He wants to rain down his presence in a way that might be messy and hurt, but it exposes the power of God in your life. It exposes the power of God in your life in such a powerful way, amazing way. So, that was all extra, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know where to go, how to get back to my notes. So I'm just going to go. I want to look at the life of Peter this morning. It's a hard transition right there. I want to look at the life of Peter, right? One of Jesus' followers. And I want to set this stage of Peter's life, okay? Because Peter reached a point where he was too afraid to be intimate with Christ. Too afraid to step into what God actually was doing and had no understanding of where he was at in the story of the gospel. So, we're going to push right through some scriptures. Does anybody have a roast on time bake? No? Perfect. I have a long time then. That's great. That's great. Okay. Matthew 14, 26 through 29. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, it if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said to him, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Don't harass me for not using the rest of the story. Peter got out of the boat. He said, That's Jesus. If it's him, I know his voice. He said, Come, I'm going to come. I'm committed to the words of God. I'm going to walk towards God. I'm going to get out. I'm going to do what he says. I'm sold out for this guy. Now, I'm sure Peter has some experiences before this. When Jesus called him as a disciple, it was kind of boring, so I left it out. But he has some cool experiences in his life. John 6, 67 through 69 says this. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to leave also? Um, Simon Peter answered and said, answered him, Lord... To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have already believed and have come to know you as you are the Holy One of God. So right before this, this is the the verse in the Bible, right? If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, yeah, you have no part in me, right? And a lot of people are going, whoa, that's a little over the top for me. And Peter's going, no, right on, I'm with you. Who else are we going to go to? If that's what's required, who else are we going to go to? I'm with you. I don't care the cost. I'm going to go. A lot of people are like leaving in droves, right? Not Peter. He's like, I'm in. I'm still in. I'm going to do this thing. If that's what it takes, bring me the fork and knife. I'm in. Who else are we going to go to? You're the king. You're the holy one. John 13, 9 through 6. So he came to... Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, are you 
washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not realize right now, but you will understand later. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no place with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Peter continually is zealous. He's like 100, he goes 120%, right? He, God says, hey, do this. He's like, oh, I'm going further than that. I'm going to do more than that, right? He's got this attitude in the beginning of this verse that, oh, God, listen, you're the king. You're the one. You're the Messiah. You're going to make your kingdom on earth. You can't wash my feet. That's, that's beneath you. I kind of hear in Jesus' head, beneath me, I left heaven. Like, I already got beneath me for you. This is nothing. That's a side note. But, but Peter, you can't do this, God. You're in too elevated of a position to do this. That's not your job. That's a servant's job, and you're the king. You're the master. You can't touch my feet. And Jesus answers and says, I have to do it. He goes, okay, well, if you have to do it, just do everything. That's the, are we getting a picture of what Peter's attitude's like? It's, it's, it's 100% not good enough. Let's do 120%. Right? We want to do more than everybody else. We want, to, we want to take on more. We want to be closer to you than anybody else. We begin to get this picture built in our mind of Peter. John 13, 36 through 38 says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly I say to you, before the rooster will (coughs) not crow three times before you deny me. Boy, I really botched that. Uh, You just have to own it and just keep moving forward. Uh, Otherwise, you freeze completely. Peter's like, I'm going to die for you. I know what you're doing, God. You're the king. I'm, gonna, I'm willing to die for you. Let's make this thing happen. Let's go to war. I'll do it. I don't care. I want to go with you now. See, he, he, he's zealous for Jesus with little understanding of what Jesus is about to accomplish. He has this picture in his mind of what God is doing. He has a desire on his heart of what God should accomplish. And that must be what God is doing, right? How many of us do that? Right? Ah, silence. You guys are way too quiet this morning. How many of us approach God with, hey, I put the pieces together for you, A plus B equals C, um, so that's what you're going to do. And God's math works a lot more like new public school math where like, you have to break it into 100 pieces and eventually you get to the right answer. We don't understand how to do it. But his math is different than ours. And he has an equation that's different than ours. But let's keep looking at Peter. John 18, 10 through 11. Then Simon Peter said, since he had a sword, drew it and (coughs) and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. And the slave name was, hmm, not going to do it. So Jesus said to Peter, put the sword in your sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, 
I, am I not to drink it? Peter, full of zealousness for God, says, I'm going to battle. You will be king on this earth. You will reign in the high place. As a matter of fact, I, I'm going to go above and beyond what you've told me to do, and I'm going to cut off this guy's ear. Now, side note, I don't know if Peter's really bad with a sword or really good with a sword. I think it'd be hard to strike someone's ear, just cut the ear off. I think that'd be very difficult. But if I'm going to war, I'm not really looking for an ear. <laughs> just, okay, uh, so I don't know if Peter is good or bad with a sword. But either way, he's zealous for God. He knows what Jesus is supposed to be, and he's going to get him there. He wants to move towards king, the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's what he thinks is happening. That's what all the prophets would say. That's what it looks like in the Old Testament. A complete misunderstanding of interpretation of the word of God. But he's going to make what he thinks should happen, happen, no matter the cost. Even if he has to go to prison, he's going to go. And then his life begins to spiral, like many of ours does, when we want what, we want what, we want what we want Jesus to want for us. Yep, that worked, okay. His life begins to spiral. In John 18, 25 through 27, now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, and they said to him, are you one of his disciples as well? Uh, he denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest who was related to the one whose ear Peter cut off said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter denied it again. This is the third time. First one was way too far away to read the whole scripture, okay? So bear with me. You guys know it. He denied him again. And immediately the rooster crowed. You were in such a place of zealous worship for God. You knew what he was going to become. You were going to go with him. You were going to give your life up for him. You were going to strike down others so that he would advance I don't know him. And, and this Peter, this picture that we've just drawn over the last 10 minutes, this picture of Peter, this zealous overachiever, he's got to hit 120%. I can see it not being a small thing. I can see it being dramatic. No, I don't know him. I have no idea who he is. Just leave me alone. In a public square. How many times have we taken our faith in our workplace, maybe among family, and hid it behind a corner? Because we're uncomfortable with our Jesus. We're too afraid to be intimate. See, Peter's life just went spiraling out of control. I can only imagine the guilt that instantly hit him Remembering the words of Christ that said, you will deny me before the cock crows three times. You know when you're a little kid, and your parents tell you not to do something, not to do something, and then they leave the room, and they're like, ha ha, my chance. And then they come back around the corner, and you're like, oh. 
right? You're frozen. You, you know you've been caught, right? And you know what's probably coming. And you're like, maybe if I don't move, they won't see me. <laughs> it never works. <laughs> it never works. Being my size, there's also nothing to hide behind ever, okay? I, can, I feel that feeling for Peter, that, oh, ah, in that instant, in that moment, instant shame, instant, just pours over him. Do we walk in that shame as Christians? Rather than walking in the freedom and the power of God, do we walk in the shame of things that we haven't done that he's asked us to do? Do we walk in the shame of missing opportunities when he's put them before us? I know in my life I've missed opportunities and I feel that. And sometimes you struggle, right? Hey, is this the opportunity God has for me? Is this the opportunity God has for me? Is that the opportunity God has for me? What is it that you want me to do, God? And sometimes it's hard. It's hard to understand and see because God calculates things different than we calculate things. But you know when I always know that I missed it? Right after I was supposed to do it. Right? Sometimes when God will give me a message for a middle of, in the middle of a sermon like he gave Chris, you sit there and you wrestle with it. Is, is this for me? Is this for the congregation? Is this just heartburn? And you wrestle with it. And you try and understand what's going on. And then the service closes in prayer and you go, oh gosh, that was definitely for the service. I think sometimes we're too afraid to be intimate. the next slide and didn't know it. This is where this message started for me. So everything before this, you know how you go to the movies sometimes and the character's in a weird plot, right? And they start to do something all of a sudden it pauses and it just rewinds and it gives you a whole backstory real quick and then all of a sudden you understand what's going on, Right? This was me. This is the verse that I was reading, I was in, and I read this verse, and it's like everything paused, and the whole background that I just preached just went, and I went, oh, interesting. This isn't a new verse. We'll read it together. John 21, 1 through 17. And I bro I've broken this up a little bit, so this is the next scripture that you'll see. Um, for the next little while. We're going we're gonna to camp on 1 through 17. So just take a note. After these things, so after Jesus has died, right? He's resurrected from the dead. He starts appearing to his disciples. This is kind of where we're picking up. After these things, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way, right? Just a prelude to the story. Now we're going to start the story. Simon, Simon Peter, Thomas, who was called Didymus, Nathaniel of 
Canaan in Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two of his disciples were together with Simon Peter. Together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are coming with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when, they, when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish to eat? They answered, no. This is where it gets real, right? We have these moments, these interactions with God. Things didn't go the way Peter thought. Jesus was supposed to establish his earthly rule then. Then and now, go to war, kick everybody off the throne. It's him. And he's in this state of shame and confusion, and he goes, I'm going back to what I know how to do. How many of us go back to what we know how to do when we don't understand what God's calling us to do? That doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing, but oftentimes, when we dip our toe in what God's called us to do, and we don't understand why things went sideways, we go, I'm going back to what I know how to do. And I'm going to stay in what I know how to do. I'm just, this, this is safe. I know how to do this. I know how to function here. I know how to be here. This is a good place. I can tell you which way I'm going to throw the net. I can tell you where the fish are going to come from and where they're going to go to because I'm a fisherman. I know how to do this. I know very little about fishing, but I could tell you how to build houses from the ground up. That's a safe place for me. Man, if I'm ticked off and irritated and don't understand the world, I'm going to go build something. My house is going to get huge. (laughs) That's where Peter's at. I don't know what happened. Jesus is dead. All hope is gone. No kingdom on earth. I'm going to go fishing. And it's interesting the way Jesus begins to approach his disciples again. He's asking, do you have any fish? They don't know who he is. He could be a stranger. He could be somebody that wants to purchase a fish for his breakfast, right? They don't know who he is. Do you have a fish? Nope. See you later, dude. I don't know why you're asking us. It was a bad night. Don't talk to me. I know everything about fishing and I caught nothing. Okay? Don't talk to me. That's the way I get when things go wrong. Don't talk to me. I'll figure it out. Just don't talk to me for a while. And that's kind of, the, that's kind of what I see, right? We're fishermen. Caught no fish. No, we don't have fish. Don't care that you're hungry. Go away. But Jesus doesn't get easily stunned. He doesn't move on so easily. So we pick up the story again. Uh, He says to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find the fish. So So they cast it. And then they were not able to haul it in because of the great quantity of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garments, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits away dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire already made 
and fish on it and bread. And Jesus said, bring some of the fish which you have caught. So Simon Peter went up and hauled the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. This is interesting to me, all right? Fishing all night long, and then you catch no fish, then you listen to some dude on shore that you have no idea who it is yet, and you catch fish. I've had people show up on my job sites and tell me how to do things, and I normally throw them off my job site, okay? Especially if they question me in front of my customer. It's happened, and they will never be on a job site of mine again. But I don't normally do it. Why? Because unless you have proven that you know way more than me about the particular thing that I'm doing, or you have actual sound judgment that you have also proven to me, I've been doing construction my entire life. I mean, literally since I could walk, okay? I understand the trades. I'm not going to listen to you. So it strikes me as there must have been something in the tone of Jesus' voice where they're like, well, we're exhausted, but what the heck? We'll try it. And then John, the self-appointed disciple that Jesus loves, um, it's only, only in the book of John is he called the disciple that Jesus loves. It's interesting. I'm also the favorite child. If he can claim one thing, I can claim another thing. So, says, it's the Lord. And instantly, Peter is struck I got to get to God. I got to get to him. But here's, here's what I don't understand about this scripture verse. When I go swimming, I don't put on my coat. I normally take off my shirt and put on some like lightweight swimming trunks because if you're wearing especially my clothes, it takes like six bolts of cloth to make a clothes and then you absorb those in water, you just sink. But Peter puts on his outer garments to swim to shore. This strikes me, right? Let's just pause there and try and build this vision in your mind. They're in a fishing community. They're on a sea. What do you see when you go to the sea? We're on the East Coast. This, this would never work in the like, Midwest. What do you see when you go to the sea? People are in their swimming wear, right? They're on the beach, ready to go swimming. So this strikes me as very odd and specific that they had to say, before he swam to shore, he put on his coat. And here's the thing that I think is building in Peter. There's not great scriptural reference to this. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give that there, but see how this floats for your spirit. I think Peter was ashamed. I think Peter still remembered what he had done to Christ in public, denying him. And he was ashamed to go and be intimate before Christ. It's not in the scripture, okay? It's, it's, it's extracurricular. Don't hang doctrine on this. It's not there. But that's the picture I get. Is that Peter is ashamed to approach Christ in his skivvies. 
And I think that we get there more often than when we would like to admit. I think sometimes we get up on a Sunday morning and we go, ah, gotta go to church. Means I gotta get dressed. Don't mean my clothes. I mean I gotta cover up my heart. I gotta wrap myself in this righteousness. Where'd I put my Bible? I gotta carry that too. That, that helps. That makes me look like I know what I got going on. Um, and I need a notebook and a pen because I think that's what good Christians do. And they carry them all together and they put their shoulders back and they walk into church. And then when you leave church, you go, oh, I'm glad that's over. With a love for God, sometimes we do all these things. There's a bondage, there's something broken, some missed expectations. And so we put on a good face, we put on our outer coat, and we go to church. And we do church. But church is supposed to be alive in us every single day, every moment of day, everywhere we go. And I think some of us get afraid because we, we took off our coat and we got intimate with Christ and something didn't go the way we thought it should go. That person didn't get healed. I still couldn't pay my taxes. Whatever. Input your situation into, into the scenario, right? Input your situation into that and go, I was, I was afraid. It hurt me that my expectations didn't get met. So now, like a little child, what I do is I'm going to pop my thumb in my mouth and sit in the corner and kind of pretend to engage. But we're really too afraid to be intimate with God. I don't want to live a life too afraid to be intimate with God. I don't want to live a life where I don't see power and miracles in his church. I don't want to see a life where we, as the body of Christ, don't leave a mark on Manchester, on New Hampshire, on the United States, and on the rest of the world. We were designed to carry power across the nations. We were designed to have the Holy Spirit dwell within us and make us powerful. Where we are weak, he is strong. We were designed with purpose and intent but when we get too afraid to be intimate, too afraid to step into a zone we don't understand, we smother that power. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll move a mountain from here to there. When was the last time you saw a mountain move? I want to see it before I die. I just want to see Mount Mananak go, ch -ch. right? We'll start with Mananak, it's smaller than Washington. Okay? We'll move up. We'll work our way up. But I believe we get too afraid to be intimate. Little side note, 153 fish. I don't know if this is accurate because I know how big my fish I catch are. Okay? Um, just interesting to me that it's there. No real significance. But how great a love does Christ have for us? He has such a plan and a purpose for us that even when you're too afraid to be intimate, he has a great love for you. His love's so great that he laid down his life on the cross for us so that we can live in him in the presence of the King of Kings 
in the holy of holies, direct access to the creator of the universe. That's how great his love is for us. And that's amazing. But the next thing that I see him do with Peter is even more amazing to me. I mean, that's cool and profound, but this is intimate and personal. So continuing on in John, it says this, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to inquire, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and the fish likewise. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my lambs. And he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because he said, said it to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. It's interesting, let's set the background, because often, I mean, I grew up in the church reading scripture, and often in my mind, this is a conversation between Jesus and Peter. They're just alone, they're, they're chilling together, but this is Jesus and Peter and all the other people that were on the boat and fishing, right? Probably some land crew, you know, there's 20 people there maybe, who knows? But this wasn't an intimate, lonely thing. There's a group of people here. And when did Jesus do it? At the end of the meal, right? I don't know about you, but everybody chats at Thanksgiving dinner, right? Then you start to eat, and the talking gets a little less, and then you're done eating, and everybody enters a coma, and the talking is very limited. It's very quiet, right? That's the stage where we find Jesus coming to Peter, is in this quiet, intimate place. Everybody's bellies are full. They've been up all night you know, fishing, so now they're tired. Their eyes are kind of rolling back in their head. Jesus decides he has something to say. And what gets more interesting is Jesus uses, there's a, there, well, Jesus uses a few different words, but there's a few different words for love in this story. Right? One is agape love. It's a selfless love, a self-serving love, a sacrificial love, always giving, always there, there to hold you up. It's the kind of love that God loves us with, unconditional. Doesn't matter what you've done. There's another kind of love that's a phileo love, and that's like, yeah, you're a buddy. You're, you're good. And what Jesus says in this verse is, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally, self-serving? Do you love me? And Peter friend zones Jesus. Yeah, 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 you're my buddy. You're good. We're good. You can come hang out. We'll have some fish together. And see, in this English text, we don't really understand what is happening here. Because we have one word for love, and it's overused, right? I love food. I love my truck. I love my dog. I love my kids. We don't understand love. Thankfully, the Greek have five words for love, and it helps us out a little bit. So Jesus responds again, do you agape me? Will you love me in a self-sacrificing way? 
Will you be intimate with me, the king of the universe? Will you approach me differently? And I think at this point, some things are starting to go off for Peter. I said I would do anything for him last time, and I couldn't do it. I said I would die for him. I cut off the ear of a dude because I have a bad aim. I engaged, and I couldn't live up to the expectation I set for myself for the king. This is what I'm hearing and feeling in Peter as, he's, as this struggle is going on. Do you agape me? Nope, I phileo you. Right? I don't, you're, you're my bud. You're, you're my pal. We can have burgers on, on 4th of July, but let's not, let's not get crazy, okay? And I see this struggle in Peter. And I think it's one of, I don't know how to love you the way you're asking me to love you. I don't even know how to get there. I thought I did, I thought I was, and then you died, and I'm still a little confused by that, but you're here again, so I'm a little excited, but I don't want to get too excited, because I do that. I go 120%, and God, I don't want to commit to something I can't do. And then Jesus does the most amazing thing that I see him do, and he says, do you phileo me? Peter says, yes. Yes, I, I phileo you. I love you like a friend. You know the depth of my love. I don't maybe, but you do know the depth of my love. Peter surrenders to Jesus' knowledge of his love. See, you can't know all that God has in store for you. You can't know the power and strength that lives within you and the intimacy he wants to have with you, but Jesus knows the intimacy he wants to have with you. And what Peter did was surrender to the intimacy that Christ wanted to have with him. And church, I believe that's what we need to do. See, Peter got to a point now, after this, it goes on, he extends the church, he extends the kingdom all the way to the end of his life where he hangs on a cross and he understands the depth of Jesus' love for him in such a way that he says, I can't hang on the cross the same way Christ did. I'm not worthy, so hang me upside down. See, at the end of Peter's life, after this experience and encounter with Jesus, he became too intimate to be afraid. Too intimate to be afraid. Church, that's where we belong. Too intimate to be afraid. Let Christ break down the doorway of your heart See, Jesus met Peter where he was willing to be. Peter said, this is what I can give you. I don't know how to give you more. And Jesus said, okay, we'll start there. And Peter goes on to be a disciple, to expand the kingdom of God, and ultimately die on a cross for the kingdom without ever denouncing Christ again. He didn't know what he had in the beginning. He was zealous. And then he became too afraid to be intimate. But then he became too intimate to be afraid. And that's where the church needs to be, is too intimate with God to be afraid. The word of God is like a two-edged sword. We carry the power of heaven within us as children of God. And I want my walk with Christ to be in such a way that I am way too intimate to be afraid of public opinion, to be afraid of, of letting Christ down. 
because I'm listening and I'm hearing. I'm okay to look like a little bit of a weirdo for God. I don't mind. You know, what would they do if they knew I was a Jesus freak? Hmm? Oh, the kickback. Okay. I don't care. Because I want intimacy with my God above any of your opinions. I want intimacy with my God so that when I get to heaven, I've accomplished what he put before me. And church, I think that's what he's calling us to be. The world is changing, and we need to be the light in the world like we've never been before. And we can't do that unless we grab a hold of what God has for us. And we lay down the guilt and the shame and the fear that binds us to who we are now, and we step into the freedom and power of the Holy Spirit. And it's only Jesus that can make that transition for us. whole message worship Chris's word, Mark LaCasse's message last week, Greg's message before that is building up to a point church, God wants to do a work within his people I drive by a lot of churches from my house to here on a Sunday morning and I found myself so stirred to pray freedom for all of the churches I drove by that they would encounter the power of God Listen, sometimes the Holy Spirit, it can feel a little weird, a little fluffy. It's hard to touch. He's a little unquantifiable. And that can be a little scary. But we have the bounds of his word to help steer us and guide us inside the power he puts within us. But we need the power of God in us. We need to learn how to agape God. To completely yield to his love. So as I close this morning, the altars are open. If you feel like I've missed it, I've been too afraid of what he wants me to do to be intimate with him, come and pray. If you feel like I've reached into that intimacy and then withdrawn, come and pray. If you feel like I'm walking in that intimacy, then come and pray with people because we're a body of Christ. So we're just going to pray and close. The altar will be open. If you have to leave, leave. If you want to stay for ministry, stay for ministry. Just be respectful of those that are having a moment with God. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit that draws us back to you time and time and time again. I thank you that all we have to do is be willing to give all that we have to you and you'll make up the difference. Lord, give us strength to approach you with what we have, to lay it at your feet, to be your vessels, Lord God. Heal us, Lord. Help us to be too intimate to be afraid, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, church. You're welcome to go. You're welcome to stay. If you're having a moment with God, don't miss out on it.